Hello again, this is Trish Seymour. You've probably listened to the other two podcasts that are components of this interstitial, but in case you're listening to them out of order, I'm a family medicine hospitalist practicing at the Memorial Campus and the co-director of your interstitial on patient safety and quality improvement. This is going to be the shortest of the three podcasts, but a very important topic. We can't really comprehensively cover a discussion about quality in healthcare without talking about value in healthcare. Healthcare in the U.S. is more expensive than any other country, but the outcomes are no better, and in many aspects, they're worse than in other developed nations. Even proportionally speaking, we spend a higher percentage of our gross domestic product on healthcare, which is much more than other nations, and continues to rise. Several studies also show that doctors feel they're rendering care that's too expensive. When we talk about value in a non-healthcare environment, we typically mean the level of benefit achieved for a given cost. There are few officially endorsed definitions of high-value healthcare, and they all involve patient-centered outcomes, including safety and the patient experience, as well as affordability. The American College of Physicians defines high-value care as healthcare that balances clinical benefit with costs and harms with the goal of improving patient outcomes. The Institute of Medicine defines it as the best care for the patient with the optimal result for the circumstances delivered at the right price. It's important to stress that we aren't suggesting that all expensive care is bad and that all inexpensive care is good. Some high-cost care can be high-value. For example, some chemotherapy regimens with a high rate of success. And some low-cost care can be of little or no value, like chest x-rays and pediatric asthma. So we aren't talking about price tags alone. From an ethical standpoint, high-value care stems from what might be considered the most important ethical pillar of non-maleficence, or doing no harm to patients. Excessive or unnecessary testing causes harm by potentially leading to false positives and unnecessary follow-up procedures, tests, and care. You might argue that considering the value of a test could conflict with other medical ethics pillars, including beneficence and patient autonomy. If patients request or even demand specific testing that is more expensive and potentially excessive, how do we function in the role of gatekeepers? Is resource stewardship and cost containment part of a physician's work? Fortunately, there are some resources to assist you in the delivery of high-value care that you should be aware of. The first and probably my favorite is the Choosing Wisely campaign. This was an initiative sponsored at first by the American Board of Internal Medicine to promote conversations between clinicians and patients in choosing care that is truly necessary, supported by evidence, and free from harm. The result was an evidence-based list of recommendations from over 540 specialty societies. For example, the AAFP contributed 20 line items to the Choosing Wisely campaign, including the recommendation that imaging not be done for low back pain in the first six weeks if no red flags are present. I like the Choosing Wisely campaign because the app is searchable, practical, and easy to use. The app also has a patient-facing side with educational materials for them. The American College of Radiologists also has put forth an appropriateness criteria, website, and app. This is an evidence-based set of guidelines to assist referring physicians and other healthcare providers in making the most appropriate imaging and treatment decisions for a specific condition. Employing these guidelines helps providers to enhance the quality of the care and contribute to the most efficacious use of radiology. The guidelines are developed and reviewed annually by expert panels in diagnosing imaging and interventional radiology. I find this super helpful when deciding on imaging tests for my hospitalized patients, 
particularly the tests that I don't order very often. There are 188 diagnostic, imaging, and interventional radiology topics listed, but there are many variants and clinical scenarios discussed. For example, when considering imaging for osteomyelitis of the foot in a diabetic patient, there are algorithms and additional recommendations if further imaging is needed after plain radiographs. The American College of Physicians also offers a list of 37 clinical situations in which medical tests are commonly used but do not provide high-value care. When it comes to judicious selection of medications, I think our patients expect us to have more cost awareness than our training provides. That said, this is a huge financial issue for many of our patients and for the healthcare system at large. Some decision support functions do exist in the various electronic medical record products with color coding or alerts for high expense medications when you are ordering them electronically. I recently learned about a useful mnemonic developed by Dr. Vineet Arora from the University of Chicago and her colleagues to highlight strategies for lowering out-of-pocket costs. The mnemonic is GOT Meds and stands for considering the use of generics, over-the-counter or therapeutic alternatives, medication review, discount drugs, and splitting pills. Some medical schools have incorporated the concept of high-value care into their curriculum by placing medical students in the role of high-value care officers. The idea was these students would be empowered to question the value of certain healthcare interventions or decisions. There was mixed success due to the hierarchy in medical education and also the lack of faculty and residency training in high-value care principles. There have been other programs aimed at trainees that are not institutionally specific, including the Choosing Wisely Challenge and the Do No Harm Project at the University of Colorado. Increasingly and appropriately, accrediting bodies such as the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education require training in high-value care, and I'm sure this will percolate to the LCME level in the future. In the meantime, learning how to practice with quality and cost consciousness in mind is the right thing to do for our patients and for the sustainability of our national healthcare system. Just like the material from the other two podcasts, we'll be using these concepts of high-value care in our small group exercises during the interstitial.